1: Change cryptocurrencies. Three guys played it talking bitcoin no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast insane. And adoption is still the only thing
2: thing thing. That main. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Homeless Such Shows is On Ramping with D, Block Channel with Stephen Mackey, Ether Review with Arthur Falls, a whole bunch of other shows. But you're now tuned into the main latest and greatest show, episode number 144. I'm your first host, Marcelo, And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. Today
0: we are having significant audio problems. Well, I am. First, I couldn't record. Well, I, I didn't record properly. So I was only recording my voice and not theirs. Then I had some weird features set on my recording software that made everybody sound like garbage. So we missed that recording opportunity, and this time I hope we get it right.
2: So, what's up, guys? All right, let's let's, let's give me G Team conversation then.
3: Yeah, I'm just gonna start like recording for redundancy, so we don't
0: have this. This is the first time it's ever happened. Though. Yeah, I've I've been recording so, flawlessly for what two and some change uh, afters- years. <laughs> Today is no, I recorded at
3: first. Remember, it was right around what episode eighty or something when I you started
0: recording or something seventy, like that. somewhere, whatever. There. Whatever. And whatever. We've
3: never had that
0: happen. All right. So but, what do we talk about? So in Thirty minutes. We're gonna record?
3: fake we're... enthusiasm about all the shit we were just talking about. Sorry, Wayne. Let's, um, let's start off. Let's, let's start well, off
0: with uh, with Cello being recognized at the bar and his reaction. So tell us about that again, in our audience yeah. for the first time.
2: Um. Actually, can I do some ads and then? <laughs> yeah, out away. For... yeah, out of way. way. Yeah,
3: do some ads.
2: I know we're gonna forget about that. Uh, Say so, hey, this great constructed episode is brought to you by Athena Bitcoin. Uh, they're the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. We love them, and they're located all over Texas and the U.S. Seven other U.S. cities, all over Philly. Download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. For specific locations and more information, visit athenabitcoin.com. Also brought to you by their portfolio company, which is bitquick.co, bitquick.co. It is an easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. They've been serving Bitcoin since 2013, so where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. And last but not least, we're brought to you by the great folks at BetKing, the most trusted dice site with the highest betting limits. They just had an ICO that raised $1.2 million and this is actually one of those icos where the funds are actually going to be used to make you have a better overall experience so marketing promos seo design they're going to add a bunch of games like blackjack and roulette sports betting pokers tournaments you can use your ethereum you can use your litecoin and you literally don't need to go anywhere else so to learn more about betking head on over to betking.io subscribe to their newsletter and get the latest news and updates delivered directly to your inbox And all funds will be held in cold storage, so you have nothing to worry about. All right, now back to my cool story. Uh, So I was at the bar in Austin wearing our swag, and uh, I was approached by a couple college guys. One guy said he he did a couple semesters at Harvard, and uh, they just kind of just popped up behind me and said, first of all, man, you're a genius. That's the first thing they said to me. And I was like, whoa, hey. And they go, your, your podcast is an idea that we've had for months. And I put my two incredibly talented friends in charge of setting it up, but they're just not hungry enough. And I told him, yeah, you know, if, if podcasting uh, was, was easy, everybody would do it. So he said, uh, yeah, I just want to say to you, my friend, bravo. It's a, it's a race to finish in the podcast game, and you are already out in front. So they just want to say that you know they recognized me. They they're fans of the show. They wanted to create something similar, but then they realized how much hard work it was, so they quit. And uh, that was just about it. Pretty cool experience.
3: Man, we should like reach out to them, find a way. Like if you guys are listening, you should reach out to us, and we can help you start a podcast. Like we have that skill set now. We can help you start one up. It'll just be under our network. Yeah, I think you'd like that though. Because <laughs> we have a sexy robot that talks at the front of all of our stuff. Yup. Uh, has anybody named her yet? I did, Guinevere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's some like <laughs> fantasy type name. Yeah, man. Guinevere is our sexy robot that says, "Welcome that- to the Bitcoin Podcast." I don't think Guinevere is good because that's like Knights of the Round Table. That's not futuristic and sexy like like she is.
3: So that's not gonna work.
0: No, I just I think her- it's about I think about like. She's wearing like some peasant clothes or like some some like corsets with boobies, boobies pushing out. Like that's not
3: that's not futuristic. What about what about Ayana? That could work. Boom. Got it. Our sexy robot's name is Ayana. I never cool. met anyone named Diana, but if I did, I think I would, would be attracted to her. Uh yeah, you know black people, we make up names on the fly, bro. Just need a bunch of nouns. Wait, is that Diana with some squigglies over the vowels? No, it's Ayana with a A, a Y A, a two N. A, y, another a. Why would
0: you put a Y in there? Just be like,
3: because he's blind. Yeah. Ask yourself, Corey.
1: <laughs>
0: why?
3: <laughs> why not put a Y in there? And you're just lucky I didn't put a fucking apostrophe in there. So let's be name her Kadeja. Kadeja? I believe we knew someone named Kadeja. Shahala, did didn't we? I think Ronza. <laughs> thats a good name. Chahaloranza, <laughs> unique. I am unique. Kanithia was a special name that came across my
0: roster when I was a teacher. Yeah, but so I shouldn't give. Let's, let's go back anymore. into this, Corey. This, uh, didn't, didn't you
2: have an article you wanted to talk about?
0: That's what I am trying to do here. I'm trying to get into
2: that
0: <laughs> fake enthusiasm, uh, like you hadn't talked about it already. Oh, I am still I am still peeved about it, so I don't have to fake anything. Uh, so I read an article on Medium. Um, I give credit where credit is due. It is called the analysis Filecoin doesn't want you to read. It's by the um, Stefano Bernardi. Uh, I guess he's writing for the Token Economy blog on Medium, and it basically comes out and discusses some of the news about the Filecoin ICO, which is. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the the native asset for using, are incentivizing people to use IPs, IPFS to store people's files and pay for storage on this interplanetary file system. That is, in my opinion, the IPFS is a fantastic, one of the greater projects in the entire space. But they're, they're, it's so ridiculously greedy. Like they want to try and make an absurd amount of money. Like I think what I highlighted. I highlighted his, his, his final conclusion statement um, because I think it's important. Let me just read it out loud. I think this could be one that will be remembered and written in history history books about how insane this all was and how a major innovation like the cryptographic token was taken advantage by people wanting to raise stupid sums of money before it was really used to its best of its potential. That That rings true <laughs> to me.
3: This is, this is what I, what, where I like am okay with things. One, I was raised in a capitalist system and capitalism, hyper capitalism. Like if things are as capitalist as they could possibly be, greed is the best thing ever. Greed fuels it. It's like, I want to be way more valuable than my neighbor. Point blank, period. Like that's greed fuels some really great things though. Like the U.S. highway system, which is probably one of the best highway systems that exists on the planet, wasn't built because somebody wasn't greedy. It was like some greedy ass dudes that could build the roads were negotiating to be the to be the one dude or group of dudes and ladies.
0: Dudes and ladies that get to build that highway system. OK, like, I'll say this. Uh there is an aspect of what you're saying. That's true that I've even said before like I don't really care how how rich someone gets for making something if what they make really changes the world. Like if if it has true utility that can make pe- pe- people's lives better, then they should be rich. That's that's true, but I feel like they're not going to be incentivized to really work on the system if they get all of the money up front. And some of it is just unnecessary greed like you don't need that much money what can you do with that much money as a a system maybe i'm just bad at figuring out what a company can do or scale to when they have a ridiculous sum of money up front with the plan to do something now i will say also that they've taken a lot of care in making sure they do this in a legal way like the the ether review I think it was the second or third legal version of uh Arthur Falls Legal Review it talks about it interviews Juan Benet, the I think he's the CEO of IPFS, and this legal structure they've created called the SAFT, which stands for um the something of me, something agreement for a future token. I don't know. But it's basically a a, a legal entity, a regulation entity that allows people to invest into a token, invest into the promise of a token. Mm. And so instead of just saying, we're making a token, we'll figure out what it does later, we're saying we'll raise a bunch of money to make a token outright. And not, because I don't understand the reason for investing in something that doesn't work yet like most of these ICOs are currently doing. So they're at least building legal structure around the idea of investing in something that's going yeah. to exist later on, which is a lot like a security.
3: Not only does the token not work yet or their project not out yet, but Ethereum doesn't even work yet. Like, <laughs> it works. It,
0: don't get me wrong.
3: It but doesn't like, scale. It, it doesn't scale at oh, all. Just and... wait.
0: When this happens, when this goes down and they've released the floodgates for the ICO to happen... The way that they've structured how this ICO works incentivizes people to be, as this article puts, early clickers. You're better off getting in as early as possible with all of your money. That's the best method for getting into this as an investor. That's how you can potentially get the most out of your investment is to get in as early as possible. You know what it's going to do to the Ethereum network? It's going to yeah. slow it to, yeah, it's going to be slow to <laughs> the snail space.
3: It's going to destroy
0: it. Or a good portion it's of the time. Swarm and Whisper. I'm glossing Swarm. over this article. I've never heard of that. Swarm and Whisper. Swarm is basically the Ethereum Foundation's version of IPFS. It is a decentralized file storage system that's a part of, that will be part and parcel of Ethereum, the Ethereum system. Whisper is a protocol for peer to peer encrypted message systems
3: conversation chatting yeah it's
0: so that's their that's their conversation system that's also part and parcel of the ethereum system so the whole of ethereum which no one really talks about is the evm which is the smart contract platform which ether is a part of swarm and then swarm and wister which is which is file storage decentralized file storage and decentralized peer to peer encrypted messaging systems and all of this is put together so you can build applications using these various things to build whatever you want. Now that's the whole idea of Ethereum, which is which is fantastic. Just no one ever talks about it, but it's not. And some some systems use it. Like Status uses Whisper. I don't know who's using Swarm. I'm not sure of the details of that. But it's, yeah, but
3: the thing is, is it's uh, one. This is why I fully believe in Ether. I think somebody in our Slack is just dramatically opposed to Ether. Well, um, they're wrong. I, yeah. Sorry. Whoever that person was. I think it's not Colin. I don't know it's who it probably was. probably Wayne.
0: Colin works for...
2: Just blame it on Wayne. <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't think it's Wayne. Wayne, we're going <laughs> to... Wayne, you're awesome, but... Maybe it was Shooter no, McGavin,
0: our, our first Slack troll that got booted off. Shooter <laughs> McGoo-Goo? That guy was a piece. Of, <laughs> sh- that guy was a piece. But, I think you have a screaming um, machine going off in the background, cello. Oh, uh, let me... Yeah. Let me be. Ophelia is
3: going to town back there. Um, You know, one, if they could pull off proof of stake, I think it's going to be a – it's going to turn the corner on crypto faster than we could possibly imagine if they could pull it off. Um, I know what you guys are instantly thinking, audience, like, oh, if they pull off proof of stake, the Bitcoin is going to die. And I tell you, you're wrong there too. So much money that's been put into proof of work, and it's a very, very stable – from when I say stable, I mean it's been around since 2009, been attacked since 2009, both like sociologically been attacked, uh, physically tried, people try to hack into it. Like Bitcoin's really not going to go anywhere. I don't see it going anywhere at all.
0: A long time ago, so, Andreas um made the analogy that Bitcoin is like the, the disease infested rat that keeps living. Like this. Like you, you you can't hurt it because it's lived through everything so far it's been relentlessly attacked since its mm-hmm. inception and as its price has risen it's 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 become a larger and larger honeypot for more and more people to spend more and more resources trying to attack it and it's been resilient throughout i it's yep. it's hard to say that it's going to go away i don't think it ever will
3: and most recently like one of the original believers in bitcoin uh, pers- from my perception is off his rocker and he's saying a lot of dumb shit saying it on the internet loud and bitcoin surviving that too so bitcoin's just it's not going anywhere so but that all being said i want to say my, my opinion on ipfs interplanetary file system is that you need that much money to get a good idea like that into the psyche of the world Right, The world has just now come around to this idea of a cloud. There's a bunch of people now on the planet that know what a cloud is. It means that your data is not your data. It's being stored on somebody's server. Just There's just a lot of servers, and they're spread around the world, but they're owned by some person, some entity. Well, the interplanetary file system says it's not owned by a person. It's run on this network, and your data is going to be on this network stored on random people's computers as long as they're communicating with the IPFS. So, and it's secure, and that's a really lofty goal. And I think that with a goal that lofty, maybe it's okay that that much capital is going to be raised in order to see that through to fruition. I'm okay with it, I understand greed's a thing, though. So, and you know, if anything, greed you could see when people are greedy. You see that person, and you know who they are for who they are, and you can adjust your life accordingly. But like, like you can't stop the world from being greedy.
2: Uh, like so it, the pendulum is the pendulum's, pendulum's going to swing back when there are going to be more developers than ideas. It's just going to take some time because everybody yep. wants to get rich right now. Yep,
0: I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it.
2: That's why I'm saying,
0: look, tired of talking about it, it.
3: When we messed it up the first time, but I'm going to pitch it again, and that's Roshamboken. and. It's a token specifically for playing uh rock paper scissors on an app that we build and the more roshan boken that you have the more times that you can play in the rock paper scissors tournaments the beautiful idea and we're going to be starting the ico sale and our minimum is 20 million that's what we're going for
2: does the does the more money that the ico raise make it more legitimate in the average person's eyes Yes. Probably, yeah.
3: We're we're in such a mega niche that I don't think we understand it. Sometimes, you know, like when in Star Wars, when they're like, "Let's go light speed now." Chewie hit the button, and Chewie's like, <gasps> "Okay." Like we're that light speed; those light streams. We're that far into a niche in so many areas that we just so on like. If you if I grab ten people off the street right now and ask them like, hey, what's a hedge fund? What's it do? They're gonna be like, I I don't know or care. What's a mutual fund? What's it do? I don't know or care. So we're in this niche bin diagram of like people that invest, people that like to invest, people that like technology, people that like Futurologist ideals, ideas like we're a very weird Venn diagram, and so I think that we just kind of talk, and we don't realize like how many people don't give a damn about the stuff that we talk about, (laughs) and so by the time it gets to an average person that this mystery thing named IPFS raised. 750 million dollars they're gonna go whoa that's crazy that's a lot of money what did i need what did my grocery list look like again what like that's that's pretty much the extent of how much they'll care now like maybe five people out of ten are gonna say whoa that's a lot of money i like money let me go figure out what that is and then maybe like one out of those five people is gonna say what is crypto what is ether what is Bitcoin like it's just we're in such a weird Venn diagram that I think that that's why this ICO stuff is still perpetuating and it's going to perpetuate for at least another year is that people just don't care like I told somebody just the other day like yeah man this this ICO made like 30 million dollars in 30 minutes and they were like that's crazy so you excited about football season and I was like yeah okay No, not really. That happens every year and it's just as just as exciting slash boring every year. But like (laughs) companies making thirty million dollars in thirty minutes is shit that gets me excited. But you know, it's not like anybody really cares that much. But um I'm gonna pitch this idea again to you, Corey. I know you don't like ICOs, right? You're against them. You're not against them.
0: No, I'm not against against them. I'm against the abuse of them. I'm not against alcohol, I'm against the abuse of alcohol. Like it's drugs. So then, it's abuse of drugs. It's people's motivations, underlying motivations that are selfish and greedy that I don't appreciate.
3: Absolutely. So let's reestablish integrity into the ICO conversation and let's release a token tomorrow and only ask for like $150,000.
0: What's that going to do for us?
3: Give us $150,000. What's,
0: what's it going to do for the people that <laughs> Contribute to us.
3: Oh, what they can do with this token is own it? No.
0: That's retarded. <laughs> I don't know, man. We should come up with one, an idea. That's the thing. Uh, we have a lot of I, ideas. An idea like that? People have those ideas, and then they think they're good ideas, and they go with them. <laughs> there's, that, there's no point to that. There's no reason to have a token. Why don't we just say, give us some Ether, guys. Yeah, guys, we need... I mean that's kind of money. So, so. What Ethereum Foundation does right now is if you send ether to, I think their donation address, uh, they'll they'll give you back a token. It's called Unicorn token. It has zero value. There's infinite of them. It's kind of like a like, hey, guess what I did? I have proof that I you know gave money to Ethereum Foundation. They gave me back this kind of this fun token, right? But I think mm-hmm. the unicorns have have zero zero actual value. That's, 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 that's a good idea for a token, but there's no, there's no reason to try and hoard them or fix them or get them because there's no use. There's just this novelty. Mm. Like if, if, you're, if you're doing this to try to make money and you're making a scarce, an artificially scarce resource and then trying to capitalize off that scarcity and the growth of value, of like, trying to build the demand of that scarcity, there needs to be a use. Like Bitcoin has a use and that's why its demand grows. Ethereum has a use. That's why its demand grows. And if you're just doing it to embrace money and then you build up hype around the token, but it has no actual use, it's literally like, I don't know, just hold it and trade it. It'll be worth more one day, I hope. Because. Yeah, Roshan
3: Boken has a use too. But. Yeah, so I get it's,
0: what just, think. Go it's ahead. dumb. So the, the to- like decentralized crowdfunding is cool. But you, but you can just take Ether. We already have a token for that. You can take Bitcoin. We have a token for that. There's no need to build another one.
3: Yeah,
0: I see what you're saying. So yeah, it's it's, it's I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing people say a new revolutionary idea that's going to change the world, and it's not. It's not new. It's not revolutionary. It's probably not going to change the world. I'm just going to make a bunch of money, and then not do anything oh, for a couple of years.
3: Oh, we could make one called ICOken.
2: ICOken, the Dukan. <laughs> oh a token. The had token hadoken. Hadoken. <laughs> had token a token had token and you when if you said it to our if
0: you send that to our app then it'll it'll just play that sound otherwise nothing happens
3: <laughs> oh my god should we get that on a shirt rayu <laughs> shooting out a, a coin saying Hadouken. token <laughs> anyways um on that
2: note let's interview some CEOs Yeah, let's interview Power Players.
0: Oh. Now, this this seems to be a legitimate use case for a token.
3: (laughs) Damn, that was one hell of a pun. Anyways, we're interviewing Power Ledger.
2: Hey, Um, you know where they're from, right? Down under. under. Yeah. Do your offensive Aussie accent.
3: Oh, Australian accent. In in Australia, we drink Falsters and eat... (laughs) kielbasa sausages (laughs) and uh i actually have a pet uh kangaroo and i call him kanga kanga the kangaroo
2: sadly these guys didn't have accents
3: they did have an accent it was actually a lot better because it was real um (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys i don't mean to offend if you listen to this but um no i did mean to offend i did it on purpose um but it's all out of jokes. Um let's see. So Power Ledger.
2: Well, I gave him a pretty good intro, so we could just swing to it. Oh, you already introed him? Yeah, I gave him a really good intro. Oh, okay. Well, um So if they if people want to skip this interview, they're just gonna get a really offensive Aussie accent. And then that's it. <laughs> but if you want to hang around, you'll know that they are they're applying its blockchain-based software in an attempt to open up uh, peer-to-peer energy trading behind the meter and across the network. So it's, it's an important cause. It's good stuff. All right. Well, Crikey, here it is. Hello, hello. So this is, uh, this is a special interview because we got uh, a lot of people in the house. Of course, you got uh, me and Dee, uh, which rarely happens. But in addition to that, we have some representatives of Powerledger.io, which is it's a huge deal because not only are they hand chosen to be at the uh, at, at right now at the Richard Branson's uh, Necker Island right now discussing the future of the world, but they represent the leading peer-to-peer marketplace for renewable energy. So, joining us from Australia, we have David Martin, who is managing director, and uh, Mr. Mark Griffins, who's the uh, Ethereum engineers. So this means that we have both an energy expert and a blockchain expert in this discussion. So we can kind of ask questions on on both sides of the fence. So, fellas, if you guys want to dive deeper into your backgrounds, tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to pivot to uh, power ledger for our audience.
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe I should clear one thing up first. Rather than Mark Griffiths, we actually have Nuno Martins, who is our, uh, our chief technology officer. Max, um, Max. At a, a meeting and unavailable at the moment, and who knows um, is is filling that breach more than capably. Oh, right on. So um, Power Ledger uh, was formed formally in May last year, though as a uh, as a concept had been circulating around with a group of us for probably three to four months before that. Um, the group of five founders, um, a mix of, of energy people and, and blockchain developers. And uh, it really came about through um, a conversation around the, the evolution of the energy market. Gemma Green, who is our chair and, and currently on Necker Island with Mr. Branson, uh, was completing her PhD in disruptive technologies through Curtin University in Perth and looking at the development of a, of a governance framework that allowed for the equitable allocation of energy from uh, rooftop solar photovoltaic systems in uh, in communities where there are um, multiple units or multiple um, residents under the same roof so we call it strata developments here I think in the US they call condominiums but in that kind of environment it's uh, it's uh, very rare that um, the condominium owner or the representatives of the owners of the condominium install PV panels because there's no way of allocating um, the value of the energy to the consumers that live under the roof there are ten of us living under the roof and five work from seven to seven the other five Uh, either work from home or or don't work at all. the, the guys that aren't there during daylight hours don't get the benefit from rooftop PV. So um, there's no way of getting a, a consensus to agree to install PV panels in the first place. So Gemma's work was looking at the governance, at the development of a governance framework that allowed for the allocation of, of energy under those terms and the value of the energy under that terms. I was working uh, as a consultant in the energy industry. I've been involved in, in energy industry here in Australia for about 20 years. I was working with a, a major network business looking at the, um, the evolution of their market and the interaction with emerging technologies, and we were doing projects like installing microgrids and large-scale batteries, standalone power systems, and things like that. But uh, the whole time, um, concerned that as as energy storage fell in price there was a greater and greater incentive for energy customers to defect from the network. So um, they can install their own PV. And as as guys like Tesla and others are are bringing down the price of energy storage, there was a greater and greater incentive to go it alone. When that happens on a power network, uh, the the cost of managing the network is still there. It just falls to a fewer number of people. So it drives up the cost of of network um, access and provides uh, an incentive for more consumers to get off. So if you take that to its illogical conclusion, um, networks face a future where they are increasingly underutilised and and increasingly expensive as customers find alternative paths to get their energy supply. So Gemma and I had been working together on a project, we realised we were probably looking at two sides of the same problem and we looked for a solution that allowed us to be able to identify the provenance of energy Uh, who owned that energy, where it was consumed, um, at what time, and we realised that the blockchain provided a really secure and immutable record of that um, that physical transaction and could be used to support a financial transaction on the back of that. Uh, So we we looked around and found uh, the best blockchain developers um, in Perth, a company called Ledger Assets. We talked to them about the development of a platform and we agreed to form a partnership, which eventually became Power Ledger back in May 2016. So we've been, uh, built a, a peer-to-peer trading platform that uh, uses the blockchain, the distributed ledger, uh, to support or um, the uh, the immutable record of, of, of a, the physical elements of a transaction, whilst allowing us then to tie the physical, the financial components together and provide a uh, a very fast, very secure, and very low-cost financial settlement mechanism for peer-to-peer traded energy.
3: Nice. Well, that was a lot. That was a mouthful. That's this. there's a lot going on there i got some i got some questions off the bat like what blockchain platform did you use or you just created this from scratch this is this is a this isn't bitcoin this isn't ethereum this isn't any of the current blockchains that exist this is a very new ledger
5: um yeah so initially we created our own uh blockchain based on an existing blockchain to well to allow us Uh, to host the platform uh, on that blockchain. So we have several requirements. One of them is uh, it has to be proof of stake. So it goes with our sustainable um, ideology. Um, And later, uh, as you can see from our white white paper, we are migrating to to Ethereum because it allows us uh, to have smart contracts, so allows us to do a lot more, to have a more scalable uh, approach on this whole system. And um, yeah, that's basically uh, where are we going? Yes.
3: Ah, okay. So you, you're migrating to Ethereum. It's proof of stake right now, and I guess you're you're planning to to migrate to Ethereum because Ethereum is going to move to proof of
0: stake.
5: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, when Ethereum moves to proof of stake, we 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 will just wait for Ethereum to become stable, see if the proof of stake is working properly and and as it should. And uh, and yeah, we we will migrate with with Ethereum as well um, from proof to proof of stake. Ooh, are you worried?
3: Because proof of stake is kind of unproven at the moment, it's uh, it hasn't been released in the wild.
5: Yeah, we are we are aware of that. Uh, that's why we are allowing one or two months before uh, we actually migrate to the new protocol. Uh, so at the moment we are keeping the proof of work, but uh, our goal is migrate proof of stake one way or or the other. And we 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 recognize that Ethereum will work properly. Uh, in proof of stake in the long run, so yeah
2: nice shall we, shall I you? Wanted want to, to, yeah, I wanted to yeah yeah, I wanted to know if you guys could provide some clarity on the subject involving the microgrid projects. I, I don't know if it's different here in the states and then it works there, but uh, if my research is correct, it work you know like you said, it allows you to create a grid where people can support each other's energy demands, but uh, over here there's laws in place where people can't sell their electricity to other people directly because it does not pay to maintain their infrastructure. So in your words, how do we make this an evolution and not an extinction event?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So our focus has always been on the disruption of the industry without the destruction of value. So our proposition is, uh, is, is a pretty simple one, that if the incumbent players in the industry do nothing, then consumers will continue what consumers are doing and they will get off the network. So, what we're not talking about here is is, um, preserving the the status quo, because the status quo is changing. Consumers are investing in distributed energy resources and and network businesses and incumbent retailers need to to reposition their their service offering uh, to support that. So, our our proposition is to um, have a a phased evolution or a managed evolution in that process and recognise that, um, power networks are no longer monopolies. So they might be only poles and wires in the street, but they're not monopoly businesses and that consumers can actually buy their energy from other sources. So pricing a network as though it were a, um, a, a physical monopoly doesn't make sense. So what we can do with peer-to-peer trading is to um, segment the network down to switchable sections or, 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 or communities uh, and providing um, consumers with the ability to trade energy amongst themselves over small sections of the network, rather than relying now on a power station that might be four or five hundred kilometres away, means we're using a smaller component of the network. Uh, we've got more generation out where the consumers are, so we're building a more resilient network. And if you're incentivising the consumers to install the generation, then you've got a lower cost investment scenario as well. So we don't have big players investing hundreds of millions of dollars in, in generation capacity. You've got thousands of mums and dads consumers spending a couple of thousand dollars and in investing in that technology. And so the peer-to-peer trading platform then provides a way of bringing that uh, that all together and providing that financial incentive. What we need to do then is say that if if we're not using the entire um, transmission and distribution network to send energy from my house to your house across the street, we need to find a better way of charging for that access. So our view is we're not saying that there is is, um, a need to replicate or duplicate the network or that the network shouldn't be paid for, it absolutely should be. But consumers now have an alternative and network businesses need to price their um, their service offering in response to that competition. So finding a way of, of providing uh, consumers access to what is essentially a trading platform will be the future of network businesses.
2: Very cool. Because, yeah, like you said, you're not just preserving the status quo. I, I feel like you're really solving the global energy, uh, you know, I know it's a strong word, but poverty problem. So, um, you know, that's really great to hear. And then on the flip side, uh, I know that Bill Tai has uh, recently joined as an ambassador. Uh, what does this mean for you guys as you near the final stages of commercial deployment?
4: I think having um, such a respected um, uh, businessman, an entrepreneur, and and, um, and such uh, someone who understands the, the full potential of blockchain, or has, has an inkling to the full potential of blockchain, um, like Bill supporting us, um, gives us a level of, uh, of legitimacy, I think. Um, um, it, 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 it gives a, a sense that there is a serious player who understands not just the technology that we're providing, but the environment that we're going into, changes in community expectations and consumer demographics. He understands all of those things and he's prepared to put his name to our platform and to our product. So that means an enormous amount for us.
3: So... Moving back to the, the technology side of Power Ledger, your token. So if I, if I hold that token, what does it give me access to do? Like, what's the function of the token?
5: Um, the token has several several functions. The, the most important one is that uh, allows you to exchange that for the secondary token or sparks, which allows you to uh, try energy in a peer to peer manner. Uh, it also allows you to be entitled to have um, um, titles you to to have to have priority in in asset ownerships. Uh, so, for example, you you have priority in renting a solar panel, a battery, any type of asset. Um, that, that's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, the most important one is that allows you to exchange that to sparks, uh, which is the secondary token, and the sparks on the other hand allows you to trade peer to peer energy.
3: Mm. So if it's proof of stake, doesn't proof of stake kind of imply that the larger number of tokens you have, the more stake you have in validating transactions on the network?
5: Uh, yes, but uh, so the sparks on the on the on the secondary the consortium network uh, and it's not the main currency of the network. So we are creating uh, an ERC20 contract on the consortium network as well. This will be the the spark uh, the Sparks uh, token. So when you're staking the network or maintaining the, the consortium network, you're not actually uh, minting with Sparks. You're using the private token, which has no value. So there is no incentive for a miner to to, to mess around with the security of the network because it has no value, those tokens.
1: Hmm.
3: Nice. I kind of like that. That's kind of a trick on them. <laughs>
1: That's
3: a yeah, there there
2: was a similar... D, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but there was like there was a similar uh, uh, kind of company in in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Microgrid that ran on Ethereum blockchain. But I don't know. I guess it was too many roadblocks and whatever these guys are doing, they're doing it a lot better than them because I guess they got suffocated by the high price.
3: Oh, cello handing out pats on the back now.
2: I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, they're not on our show. <laughs> <laughs> Must be due to
4: platform the yeah. We, we had a certain level of regulatory flexibility to offer uh, the the platform and the product in uh, in places like microgrids uh, or, um, or um, condominiums, group housing developments, commercial strata properties. Behind a master meter, and we're we're providing that in a commercial framework, commercial um, commercial offering at the moment. We're also still working uh, really hard on on demonstration trials across a, regulate, a regulated network. So, like our trial in, in Auckland in New Zealand is using the broader regulated network in in Auckland with a company there called Vector, where we're allowing consumers uh, across that um, public network to trade energy amongst themselves with a, an autonomous financial transaction uh, supporting that trade, uh, and there are some hurdles, some um, some regulatory hurdles, but um, I think from an energy perspective, um, the, the, the hurdles that are in place were unintentional. So, no one in the energy industry that I've spoken to, at least, says that peer-to-peer trading is a bad thing. It's just when those regulations were formatted um, 15, 20, 25 years ago, there was there was no prospect of peer-to-peer trading. So, the rules were set up to govern how uh, consumers interacted with retailers, and retailers interacted with wholesale markets, and, and generators and interacted with wholesale markets. There was no concept of a peer-to-peer trader. And now as the industry, industry, energy industry is changing, more distributed resources are impacting the way energy flows. It doesn't just flow in one direction now, it flows in multiple directions between multiple parties. Um, regulators are looking at what the new business model of the future looks like. Regulators don't create business models, they regulate them. So they're looking to companies like ours and uh, innovative um, networks and innovative retailers who are proposing alternative models for energy transactions, like a peer-to-peer transaction, uh, and looking at how uh, consumer um, protections might be provided through a regulatory framework.
2: So so how do you go about blending this new technology and still keeping uh the well-developed know-how and then making sure that this is the best strategy for building the future of the energy system
4: So from an energy perspective, um, I think the the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that uh, energy businesses are no longer in charge of the energy system. Consumers are are rapidly taking control of how the system is planned, how it's deployed, how it's managed. So uh, the old scale model where a a utility company would sit in the middle of a web and try to understand where demand was going and what consumers wanted, and then make all of the investments and adjustments required to support that community's Power demands, well, that's changed. Communities are addressing these needs themselves. So the development of a framework that um, isn't based on command and control is based on um, incentives and and uh, incentives for certain behaviors that facilitate control of the system uh, is going to be the future of the network. And so we've already seen over the last 10 years the rise of smart networks and smart grids, um, smart um, uh, smart assets and autonomous assets in networks to provide security around fault management and power quality management. And that's, that's great when all those assets are owned by a central utility. But when all the, the control assets, the generation assets, the batteries, the inverters are owned by individuals, you need to have a financial transactive platform to be able to incentivise them to behave in certain ways that preserve the the power quality that's there. So uh, we think that the the transactive platform um, needs to be the central component of the energy future. It's the only way that um, a a disparate number of participants, an increasing number of participants, can be incentivised in a way that acts in the uh, best interests of the system and, and the best interests of everybody consuming electricity in a particular area
3: hmm so i'm a lot ignorant to power grids and energies like i just don't know much about it so i'm trying to wrap my head around what about okay so say i have a bunch of i want to be that guy in my neighborhood and i spend thousands of dollars i have a bunch of solar panels set up in my backyard uh rock garden like high fences you're not getting in and i got some batteries and i want to sell this energy to my neighbor like how does that connection work. I don't just run them in extension cable. Of course I'm making that really stupid. But, you know, how does how does that work? Wouldn't the energy have to travel across like the existing grid or
4: so so what we're not, we're not suggesting we change the laws of physics. If you're generating electricity on your roof and you're not consuming all of that energy, it's spilling into the grid and it's being consumed at the, at the closest point of demand. So if you have solar panels and you're spilling energy and your neighbour doesn't have solar panels but is consuming energy, he's consuming the energy that you've generated. It's It's coming from that closest source. So the power ledger platform doesn't try and change the way the electricity flows. It, it changes the way the value of that energy flows and it makes sure that rather than you having to sell electricity to a retailer through a feed-in tariff and then for that retailer to sell it on at greater cost to your next door neighbour, it allows you to do that transaction completely or, uh, or, or discreetly. So that rather than paying a whole range of market, uh, retail, network costs, margins uh, as part of that energy um, bill component. Can strip those out and share the benefit between yourself and your retailer so in australia at the moment feed-in tariffs where we are is about about seven cents so if you're if you're spilling electricity into the network you sell it to your retailer for seven cents but then your neighbor buys it back for 27 cents so it makes sense to be able to develop a platform that says to your neighbor well i've got spare electricity i can sell it to the guy you know the big company up the road for seven cents but how about i sell it to you for uh, i don't know Fifteen. I get twice as much as I would get if I sold it to my retailer. And your neighbour says, well, okay, if I was buying it for my retailer, I'd pay 27 So I'm quite happy to pay something around 20 And the $0.05 in the middle we can use to support the access to their network. So by stripping out those costs associated with um, uh, traditional grid supply and allowing consumers to trade across the back fence, peer to peer, using the existing network, we can make the, the flow of electricity much cheaper, and by making it much cheaper, we can incentivise more people to put um, renewable sources on their roof, and we can decarbonise the industry while we're at it. And because we're not relying on a, a power station that's four or five hundred kilometres away to provide our power, we can get a much more resilient power station, as bus power system as well, because we're not, we're not. Um, we're not exposed to the risks of, of severe weather um, impacting on, a, on the transmission line somewhere hundreds of kilometers away and cutting my power because I'm getting it from the guy next door. So that's the, the fundamental principle. I can sell electricity off my roof for, for a greater price than I could sell it. I'm um, giving it to my retailer and you as my neighbor can buy it at a much cheaper price than you could buy it for them buying it from your retailer.
3: Okay. That helps me understand the process a lot more. And now it makes me feel really confident about being that guy that just has a bunch of solar, like a solar farm in his backyard and he's selling energy to his neighbors. I want to be that guy. So I don't know about you, Cello.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I I want to see this succeed because I I always support renewable energy for the good of the environment. And it's cool to have solar panels near a roof. That's just (laughs) a bonus.
4: And I think really. the flip side of that is that um, if we all want to be that guy, but some of us can't be that guy. Some of us, our houses are pointing the wrong direction. Uh, where we, don't, we don't own the roof. Or you know, some of us are financially marginalised and can't afford to put PV panels on the roof. And and those people, if they if we don't have a way of sharing cheap renewable energy from the guys that can create it, um, they get left behind. They get exposed to the increasing power prices that we will see as more and more consumers like that guy defect from the network. So providing a platform for consumers to share their energy in this way doesn't just improve the outcomes for the planet. Doesn't just decarbonise the energy industry. It actually improves outcomes for probably the most vulnerable members of the community.
3: So yeah. this, is, this seems like this has been an idea that's, that's really large. And you know, I, look, I read through the white paper. I saw like you, you have a lot of partners. There's a lot of people involved in what you're doing right now. Why did you guys last year ultimately feel the need like, okay, we're definitely going to need a blockchain because the way we were designing this before wasn't going to happen. So what need did blockchain fulfill to have you guys finally pull the trigger and say, okay, we need a blockchain?
4: So, in the energy industry now, um, or, or traditionally, what would happen is large generators produce electricity at the at the request of a system operator, and the system operator is looking at consumer demand. It says, okay, frequency is falling, I need to produce more generation, and they dispatch more generators. And then, uh, over time, they read the meter of all the consumers, and they say, okay, retailer, all of your consumers consume this much energy, therefore, you owe the generators this much money. And that process can take between 60 and 80 days. And that's just too long. It's too expensive because of that lag and that exposure that um, large players have to, to the market in that space there's a lot of cost that goes into the the power supply. So we needed a process that allowed us to do much, much faster transactions and to do it in a way that didn't need an independent uh, umpire, a market operator, sitting in the middle doing the reconciliation between literally um, thousands, perhaps millions of consumers who are transacting energy amongst themselves. And the only way we um, we could avoid all of those costs and all of that requirement for some sort of centralized authority um, managing and reconciling those transactions to use the blockchain. Okay.
2: Good deal. You going to so is there anything So is there anything that we haven't asked you that you would like to inform our audience or uh, anything that's important?
4: No, I think you covered most of those things. Um, is there anything missing? No, I think we're good.
3: I, I did have Do one you- more question. So... so- are you you so ICOs are getting a lot of attention you know for obvious reasons if someone can raise 25 million dollars in ten minutes it's gonna raise anyone's attention um, it yeah. raises mine every day I'm like I just want to make an ICO I'll call candy candy coin it doesn't matter but what I'm worried are you guys worried about some of the recent regulations coming out of the US about ICOs having to be securities or because of the way that was framed you pretty much don't have a word because it sounds like your token has a function and it's not just like a glorified security like the dow was
4: yeah, absolutely. That uh, we've we've invested a lot of time and effort in understanding the the regulatory framework, and we know that we're we're dealing with a commodity that's um, is bought and sold by. Mums and dads all over the world. So it, it's not a it's not a, a, a cryptocurrency transaction that happens just between um, people who are okay with the crypto world. This is a an everyday commodity. So we knew that if we were going to be successful and we were going to be able to offer a, an application or a platform that allowed peer-to-peer trading to spread quickly globally we needed to do something in a regulated market um, in the full view of existing regulators and to with all the disclosures that are required to give a level of, of comfort uh, and transparency to what we were doing so we've chosen to host our ICO in Australia uh, we're, we're producing a, a level of disclosure around what we're doing that I think exceeds um, certainly exceeds any ICO documentation that I've seen uh, and um, you know we're we're, we're we're bringing the regulators and others uh, into the tent so they can understand what we're doing. And I think you're right. We're demonstrating that there is some significant utility to the power token. But the power token isn't a security. It's a it's a, a token, a, a protocol token that allows the operation of the platform, allows the, the spread of, of discrete peer-to-peer trading environments and other applications based on that peer-to-peer trading technology uh, globally uh, in a really quick way.
3: I got to be honest with you, but like right before we did the interview, I was like, another ICO. We get just peppered with ICO emails and new blockchains, new networks, and you know we were like, oh man, not another one. But after this interview, I feel really confident about what you all are doing, and I read the white paper, I felt more confident. Um, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's good. I don't know. I wish you guys the best because
4: thanks very much for the uh, for the, the vote of confidence it's great to hear you know guys like you that do see these things all the time every day um taking the view that um, there's some real utility in what we're doing um, some use around the, the the problem that we're trying to resolve and that uh, you know that it, it's a real ico it's not something that's just vaporware
2: yeah uh, just to piggyback on what he said uh, we get flooded And flooded with with emails and so we get to cherry-pick which projects we want to bring on and I immediately saw the value that you guys provided so I I want to thank you for your time and and we really believe in 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 the cause all
4: right and thanks for your interest it's been a great conversation we got one last question for you it's the hardest
3: question that you're gonna hear this month (laughs) 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 and it is in ten words or less can you describe
5: blockchain Oh,
4: fine. Um, you don't have to crack.
5: Yeah, I can try. Um, in my view, the blockchain it's basically a database. So, of course, it operates differently, but essentially it's it's a database. You just remove all the delete and update commands from a database and essentially you have a blockchain. Of course, you have cryptography to verify the authenticity of, of blocks and you have um, elliptical curves to generate private and public keys. Uh, it's a really good technology, but essentially, it's just a database. So, well, you you have blocks, blocks have transactions, and uh, that essentially uh, composes a blockchain. What we can we can call we can call it the blockchain. And in my view, in ten words or less, that's it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, we'll do it. We'll take essentially a database, and then and then you win. <laughs> a database. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take. Yeah.
4: In my less than ten words, I think it's the ultimate platform for human transactions. And it's as simple
3: as that. I like that. Oh, that's powerful. Ultimate oh, yeah. transaction for you. Yeah, I mean, ultimate platform for human trend. That's five words right there. Both. There you in- go. I've <laughs>
4: had it already. I just seem to make you in my own words. <laughs>
3: Both under fifty percent. Sometimes when we get when we ask that question, it's like we're still waiting five minutes later because they went way over ten words. And so I think it's really I think it shows a true understanding of the platform, the technology. If someone can describe it in less than 10 words, Dr. Seuss it, you know, make it simple.
2: So, yeah. I think well, think uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, uh,
4: Go ahead. I think the thing that makes it easier is if you understand what problem you're trying to resolve, uh, and rather than seeing that the blockchain is something you can shoehorn into any given situation, but understanding that the blockchain offers some some very um, some very specific capability, and when that that meets a, a problem that has a you know a deficiency in a certain area that's aligned with that capability, it it it's a, it hits a really sweet spot. And what we're talking about in the transaction of energy at the moment requires an enormous amount of intermediate theories and an enormous amount of reconciliation and regulation and the blockchain allows us to avoid all of those things.
3: Well, thank you very much for stopping by and, and thank you for not providing us with a Vaporware interview because we've had some of those <laughs> and then we do a roundtable around it where we make fun of them. So <laughs> we're not going to do that with this one because this is nice to know.
4: Uh, nice to know. Thank you.
3: Yes. Well, um, Thank you for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day, Cello. You got anything else,
2: Mr. Martin? Mr. Martin's, thank you so much.
4: It's been our absolute
3: pleasure. Thanks. Have a good one. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview <laughs> with the wonderful, um, wonderful, 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 wonderful people at Power Leisure. Um,
0: Did you say Donald Trump so Holy shit! I just forgot. had a Donald Trump about? moment.
3: Um, I did say wonderful a lot of times because I did forget who we were talking about. That is a true. That's a true statement. <laughs> um, but they have a token that that is meaningful, and um, you know, they'll have it's, a token.
0: They will have a token that's meaningful.
3: They, no, I think they've built it. It's called Sparks. It's just they haven't released the ICO. I don't, I don't think they've made the ICO yet. It's called Sparks, and then they have a they have like a token inside of a token so that you can't game the system. Like, it was kind of neat. I'm going to look further into their idea there, but, like, yeah, I read basically paper. the
0: guy. Oh, huh? I read the white paper.
3: I mean, it's a decent – they got something decent going on, man. They have a lot of people behind them. Sir Richard Bronson obviously is behind them. Uh, they get invited to Sir Richard Bronson's island to drink the tears of cherub- cherubs and talk about the future of humanity. <laughs> and uh, – um They – what I like is that they have enough foresight to see that if people are going to really buy into solar power and renewable energy, then there's going to be a surplus of energy. So what do you do with that surplus? You don't just let it go to nowhere, man. Energy is hard to like – I mean we all know about energy. We all watch Titan AE, what energy is capable of. So Mm – being able to sell that back to the grid or sell it to your neighbor in a way that is, you know, decentralized and blah 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 fluff words, blockchain, fluff 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 words.
0: Y'all didn't talk about Grid Plus at all during that we interview. Did. We did not. Yeah, did you? Should we have? Well, that's another system doing the exact same thing on Ethereum. Uh, we, we didn't we talk about. Grid Plus. We interviewed on Block Channel, which is that's it's another play. But their their play for Doing that was to basically use this kind of hardware device to become a house's portal to cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So it it straps nodes, Ethereum nodes, basically, because they use it to do this decentralized crowd sharing of energy resources in their local (laughs) communities, but it ends up being and it has it has an it is a node to the ethereum system so why not use it for all the, all other things ethereum so it becomes basically your your agent for all things blockchain that also makes its own money so on and so forth later on down so the it's line.
3: a better bitcoin computer
0: yeah, i don't know depends on if they do it whether they can do it
3: the bitcoin computer is being i think balaji has so much respect that the Bitcoin computer is being swept under the rug as not that great of an idea. Like everyone's just like, yeah, Balaji's like a genius, but eh, I don't know. It was like Super Mario Brothers 2. And no one just no one talks about it. Um right. well, dude, you guys, no one talks about Super Mario Brothers 2. It was terrible. It was a terrible game. Um Cello, I know you had something you wanted to say, right? No, I'm good for this week. Didn't you you didn't
2: you have like a date night? Oh yeah, the movie Philadelphia. Don't that's not a good date night movie. Kind of like killing them softly. Yeah, it's a terrible date night movie. It's, don't don't watch Philadelphia as a date night movie. What makes a good date night movie? An action movie or a romance, right? Uh no no one dying from AIDS and no one getting shot in the face with a shotgun. Go watch. Aaron
0: pointed out some ridiculous, terrible, scary movie on Netflix that has to do with beavers. Oh, zombie beavers. Go watch that. Zombie beavers. Zombie beavers. Zombie beavers.
3: I'm looking at it. That's a good date night. Terrible movies are great date night movies because you laugh so hard. You laugh together and then you accept Sharnado. Sharknado no, needs to no. go away. Sharknado was great. Shark Sharknado is you know, like was probably one of the best films Sharknado's. ever made. There are five, but are that five. was that was a lot of numbers. Like no, <laughs> no, there's five, man. I just I know this because my mom's an actual fan.
0: So,
3: <laughs> like she sure gets there's... really amped up about Sharknado, and she has not figured out that we don't because it's a terrible movie. I
0: think
3: there's but thirty of like, them. I think there's thirty of them. There's thirty Sharknados now. <laughs> There's and gonna I mean if you think about it, it is a scary idea. A giant tornado that throws shark from the
2: sea onto your head fighting you. Is it like Fast and the Furious though where it has like nothing to do with tornadoes and sharks? Now it's just it's just its own entity. I don't know, but I've never seen one. So Fast and Furious 8
0: is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. Um
2: It's
3: not, but masterpiece. I did it's a masterpiece no, of it's cinematography. Actually, it's a fantastic
2: film. It
3: is just one. Vin Diesel is one of the greatest humans
2: that's ever walked this planet. I think. But seriously, yeah. Fast Five is a legitimately good action
3: film. Fast Five is a le- is is as legitimately good as Fast Eight.
2: You but, guys really uh, like Fast Eight? That movie was not good.
3: Was
2: this awful. thing is so ridiculous. We're just it's making up names so for bad. it now. It's you guys so like bad.
3: Fast Eight? Fast Seven?
2: fate I, I refuse to say fate of the eight or fate fury of, I'm, I don't even know what it is I'm not saying it this is gonna be
3: oh their slogan for the next one is gonna be like this is gonna be a fine movie
2: because nine and F well someone said that fast 10 is gonna be fast send your seatbelt because it's fast 10 passing. Oh my
3: god if that if they do that I will see that Please movie I will pay money patent it patent it right now <laughs> Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a crazy ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's implied. I like this. This is on the top of r slash Bitcoin because this conversation is boring me. I talked with my psychiatrist about my Bitcoin obsession, and then he bought Bitcoin. <laughs> We're nice. taking over.
3: We're taking over, man. Well, we he's a, okay,
0: let's, let's talk about A-com. this for a moment. We A-com. got a little bit of time because we always have time. Uh, mm-hmm. We may have talked about this earlier, but are people who are jumping into Bitcoin solely to make money and have no idea what it's about, are they good 90. for the system? Are they good for Bitcoin?
2: Well, that's a good, good point because a, a, a psychiatrist makes money. Did he get in there just for the money? I maybe. would say
3: that maybe some psychiatrists do, but I would say yes, it's always good to have human energy going towards something, especially if that's something – as the possibility of being a great something, right?
0: What's the downside of what? The ignorant people jumping into the space, throwing dumb money at it.
3: I, honestly, I don't see a downside to it.
0: There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of sad faces and butthurt people when they lose their money, or they don't properly take care they... of their private keys and lose it because because they don't th- realize that it works fundamentally different than other mon- monies. The probability
3: of you losing all your money and being butthurt is so low that you've got to be you're you you did something really really wrong. Like you sent your shit to the wrong address. Well, in Bitcoin, or, you can't do that. Yeah, well, Bitcoin, you can't do that. The other ones,
0: you can e- do that. Ethereum. Ethereum, there's no checksums yeah. in Ethereum. Well, they're kind of are, but they're, they're no one they're uses them. Just, they just can add
3: that. They really need to because people are going to lose some money.
0: But there's there's proposals for it already in the works. So. So
3: I think it's a good look. Even that always happens, man. When anyone see an opportunity, they go and they take it like money is a very, very high incentive to do stuff. This damn country is built on it. Like, yeah, a few people came over here because it was like, oh, cool. I can just go to the colonies and live. But they gave them huge subsidies to do it. They gave them huge opportunity like, hey, Great Britain person, there's this new land that we discovered. We're going to give you chunks of gold. And land from over there, if you go over there and you live over there. Hell yeah, money. I like that. Like, Or break it down when this country was a country in the, the gold rush. We're going to give you land, and we're going to give you the opportunity to go out west and mine some gold. Go for it. Okay, I'm doing it.
2: Greedy-ass people. I mean – Speaking of well, – did you see the post a couple, couple topics down the guy who took out an equity loan to buy 191 bitcoin I did not see that wonder how Jeez. he's gonna end up 2 Does months ago that? a guy a guy took out a 325,000 equity loan on his house that amount is now worth 623,000 paid off his house paid off his house and he doubled his money it's greed though
3: that's greed you can't stop greed from happening like but I do think that the balance of people in the system that stick around for the community, that stick around and contribute, that see the possibility
2: of what it could be, and they and are doing that is balancing the system. Hey, we should we should create a movie called Apollo Greed, and it's a boxer who just fights for money. You like it? Don't don't all boxers do that?
0: No, they no. There's some young people in there that just like like fighting.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. Like Mike Tyson. He's probably one yeah. of those. Uh speaking of which, Cello, who do you have your money on so I know who to bet for?
2: There's no way Mayweather's gonna win, but I don't wanna I don't like betting on super fights because it's pure spectacle and it's not sport. You say
3: there's no say way there's no way
2: Mayweather is gonna uh, win. Sorry, there's no way McGregor's gonna win. Sorry. All right. I will be but, putting but, my money on McGregor. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's a good idea to bet on super fights. I'm gonna put a thousand on McGregor. If McGregor wins, like I have no words for
3: it. It's just Yeah, it's just... I said that same thing the night before Donald Trump was my president. So it's 2017 <laughs> and anything can happen. I sat in a restaurant and I said if Donald Trump wins, I I I have no idea like what I'm gonna do. And I woke up in the morning, and it was like, I told you I was going to win.
4: Wait, you did stay up tennis. for that?
3: Hell no, I fell asleep. I was tired. <sighs> I told you I was going to win. I'm the best. Um, I have the best ideas. I have the best family. No. Yeah. But it happened. So, McGregor can probably win. And you
2: know why he can win? Because Mayweather's 40 years old. Yeah, so, but he's not a boxer, though. That's like... McGregor couldn't even beat Canelo, so he's not going to beat Mayweather. You know what? Yes. I
3: am not an NFL running back, but I think there's a chance I could outrun a 60-year-old previous NFL defensive lineman.
2: That's not – Look, there's that's a lot say. of guys that's, that's, that that's walk a, around – yeah, there's a lot of guys that walk around that say that they can beat any woman in the UFC. Like I have friends who are like, "Oh, she's a woman, I'll beat her," and I'm like, "No, no, you can't."
3: If he's if he's a lot heavier and taller, he can.
2: This isn't like Atomic Blonde where like women are like roundhousing 400 pound guys. I get it, it's real life, but they will armbar you and break your elbow.
3: I think that somebody, if there's a six foot, two hundred and twenty, six foot, 230 pound dude, and you take one of these lightweight girls that's really good at fighting, she will get straight up Hagar smashed. I don't think like so, man. It. I don't know. She will try to arm bar and she will get just
2: dropped on her, the back of her neck. And T- Technique has a lot to do with it, not strength. I don't know. Corey, you have, up. Corey what <laughs> do you think? Because
0: you're, you're a fighter. I, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu technique has everything to do with it. Strength plays a role. It, so you but, think you could take Shaquille O'Neal in a fight? Un, <laughs> no, no. Strength <laughs> such a weird examples. It. Yeah, is <laughs> he, the king. Hyperbole. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's for the take same it down for the Shaquille same weight O'Neil. class for the same weight class.
2: Yeah, I mean remotely, that's
0: what... even remotely close weight classes. It's all tech, It's all tech, technicality.
3: That's why it's become a sport is because you put people that are around the same body size and see who's smarter and better at the martial art. But if you take a six foot, 250 pound dude and you put him in the ring with a lightweight best fighter in the world chick that it she's going to try to like grapple the dude and he's going to be like, dude, this is like a baby. I'm playing it's with a dance. baby right now. The,
0: the, if, the, if the big guy has training. Yeah, she's probably going to get the chick kicked out of her if the big guy has no training, he's just kind of doing things in an ignorant way. She may have a chance. Because a lot of like a lot of natural tendencies for people who are untrained in fighting end up putting you in very bad positions to the to a trained fighter. And it's really easy to snap a limb. It's really easy to choke somebody out if they give you the opportunity to do it. No amount of strength can stop certain things from happening cuz the body isn't built that way. But if you know how to shore up those weaknesses, then you're probably screwed. Mm. Let's wrap this up.
3: All right. Well, obviously, we had not talked about crypto in a long time. Sorry, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out that new Hot Fire by Recorder Boy. You can catch him on YouTube. If you go to Recorder Boy, you'll find him. Uh, it's probably the best hip-hop I've heard in at least... Three years. It's amazing. Um, Let's see. What else? Kansas City Chiefs football has started up. So if you want to go ahead and catch that, you can have a good time. Uh, You can catch us at the BTC podcast on Twitter uh, or medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. You can Google us, the Bitcoin podcast. You're going to see stuff. Um, Shout out to the other people on our network that have definitely, definitely, you know, helped the network grow. Arthur Falls, thank you for your amazing legal reviews and cool-ass accent. Mackie, thank you for diving deep into the like the randomness that is Ethereum and pulling out these gems for us to listen to. Uh, thank you, Ken, for uh, bringing us Bitcoin, Bitcoin accessories. Um, I don't really have anything. Shout-out Zoe Saldana. Shout-out to um,
2: what else? Thank you, uh, Charlie Shrem coming on the show next week. Oh yeah, thank you, Charlie,
3: for coming on. Well, he's not I on have yet. a very specific request to the developers of F-Zero. Could you get on your game? Because, like, what the fuck, man? F-Zero was amazing,
2: and you haven't given us a new one in forever, and it's really starting to annoy me. So That's because nobody buys Nintendo consoles anymore, you have a Whoa. Switch. You suck. You didn't buy it. Nathan bought it. That's a waste of money. One up. <laughs> just... Why did you buy a Nintendo Switch, man?
3: Because that Mario Kart on there is fire, bro.
2: Oh, so you're, you're one of those guys that buys a system for one game, and it's it's all worth it. Hey, man.
3: Play this Mario Kart and tell me you won't have a good time. There is no substitution ever, given the way I was raised, for playing your friend at a video game while he sits right next to you.
2: Dude, I would love to play, but no one ever. Like, do you know Petty is still on my 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 friends list? Offline. We need for- to
3: stop. We need to stop. We need. To- <laughs> no one ever
2: gets online
3: anymore. We're done here because that's not how we were raised. Uh, well,
1: play the yeah, outro.